Hey everybody, my name is Aubrey and you're listening to the Faithful Millennial Podcast where I talk about Jesus, Bible prophecy, and world news in hopes to reconnect the millennials and Gen Z generation back to Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here on episode two of the Faithful Millennial Podcast. Hopefully this week sounds much better than last week. I did get a new microphone because last week's audio was absolutely terrible. Um, So hopefully this week sounds a lot better, but I am going to touch on the topic of how do we know that Christianity is real? How do we know that it's the true religion, the one that gets you into heaven? Because at the end of the day, I feel like that's what everybody wants. And People are asking questions and people are curious and we live in some crazy times. And I think it's really important to spread the word of Christianity because that's what God's called us to do. So I'm going to talk about that first and foremost. Um, I did want to touch on a couple things real quick, though. I did read the book Project Bluebeam, which I told you guys last week that I was going to order it on Amazon and read it. So I was able to do that last week. What I found was really interesting and a little bit scary if you're not in a relationship with Jesus already. So Sturgeman asked the um, journalist who wrote this piece in 1994, he basically discusses how the government's going to use holograms in the sky with NASA technology and the New World Order is going to take over, governed by the Antichrist at the, uh, essentially, the, I don't even know what to call it, I guess the end of the world in terms of um, if you're speaking to Bible prophecy. But um, the scary thing was Serge predicted that cash would go away. That's how they're going to control us. And he doesn't actually describe what cryptocurrency is in the book because that obviously did not exist in 1994. But what he did say was there's going to be a superhighway that controls the currency. And the superhighway basically was described as a way of getting rid of credit cards, a way of getting rid of cash so that you can control how people you know, spend and use their money and you can monitor where they're spending their money at. So that's just a piece that has already come to pass that I read in that book I thought was interesting. Not that we have gotten rid of cash completely. Of course, we still have it circulating in the economy, but I would say, I don't know the statistics. I need to Google it. It probably maybe 20, 15, 20% of the world still uses cash. So very, very small remnant. But um, I would recommend everybody read that book. If it's still available on Amazon, I feel like I got the last copy, but if it's still available, I would get it because it tells a lot of information about what we're going through right now, and it it really just reveals their end game. So uh, 10 out of 10, definitely recommend reading that. So before we get into the topic of Christianity being real, I wanted to touch on just some things that have happened in the past 45 days alone because it has been a crazy summer. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster ride that just never ends. Um, so let's talk about some things that have happened. We've had FedNow go live. BRICS is building an entirely alternate version of the U.S. dollar. So they're making their own currency. This is, um, I think, Brazil, Russia, India, China. Uh, South America, I think, or maybe South Africa. Um, That's what BRICS stands for. But essentially, these nations are trying to make a competing dollar to get rid of the U.S. dollar. So our dollar in the U.S. runs on oil and gas. That's the only thing that's backing our currency in America. The only thing that is making that still 
be relevant today is literally oil and gas. With this currency, they're trying to replace the U.S. dollar run by these nations. So that's pretty scary to think about, but it's happening. Uh, Congress is preparing bills on the regulation of cryptocurrency. The digital dollar pilot is complete. Digital world ID passports are being rolled out. The World Economic Forum calls for climate change lockdowns. This is a big one with Bible prophecy. Israel and Saudi Arabia are coming to a peace agreement. Yeah, you heard that one right, a peace agreement. Where, did, where does that term come from? I've heard of that before. Uh, a little book called The Bible talks about that. Nobody can afford to live anymore. America has more debt than any country in the world. Our credit rating just went down a couple weeks ago. Absolute devastation. Wildfires in Hawaii has happened just yesterday, August 9th. Iran has enriched uranium to create up to three to five nuclear bombs. The Wagner Group has infiltrated Nigeria, Syria, and is now targeting Belarus. Government says aliens are real. So, whew, that's a doozy. That's a lot. But how can you feel at peace at a time like this? That's one question I get asked pretty often by people that aren't followers of Christ is how can you feel how can you feel confident raising a family? How can you go to work every day knowing the, what you know? Well, I'm going to tell you, read your Bible. There is no other peace like the peace of knowing what the future holds and that God is in control of it all. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ is coming back and every single thing that he said would happen right before his return is already happening. We're already seeing the wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, earthquake, fires, destruction of governments, inflation. All of these things is what Jesus said would happen right before he is knocking at the door. Now, when these things start to happen at a quicker pace than usual, similar to what Jesus says, a parable of when a woman goes into labor, how contractions get closer and closer together, so will the world, so will the world events become more and more frequent, all the way up to when the holy restrainer gets taken out of the way. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes that the restrainer will continue to restrain until he is taken out of the way, and then that man of lawlessness will be revealed, referring to the rapture of the church and the revealing of the Antichrist, and then the seven-year tribulation will be followed by that. So all I got to say is, man, whoever you are that has still not accepted Christ, we're on the bus, dude. We are ready to go. Whoever you are, man, pick up the pace because we are ready to leave. We want to be in heaven. We ready for the rapture to be here. So anyway, that's just some world news update. I'm going to get more into that at the end of this episode, but I just wanted to kind of um, brief you guys a little bit before I dive into the to the main topic. So Let's get into it. How do we know that Christianity is the real religion? What makes Christianity different? So here's the thing. There's just over 4,000 religions in the world. So why do I know that this one's right and the other ones are wrong? Here's some key points I'm going to dive into a little bit more. So the Bible is a historical, reliable document. It's a collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses reporting on supernatural events that are prophetic, and they also claim their writings are divine rather than of human origin, meaning that these writings were influenced by the Holy Spirit. 
So you cannot tell me, you can't convince me that the Bible has been altered or isn't real or has been written by men at random and the stories are all just coincidence and, um, you know, things are all just made up and it's just all a coincidence that things just happen to line up the way they did. Well, if that's the case, then why are historians and archaeologists still using the Bible today to uncover artifacts that have been written about 2,000, 3,000 years ago? Why are they still finding things in Israel? that are in the Bible, exactly where those things said that they would be. To say that the Bible's been altered or isn't true or isn't inspired by God is just a completely false rhetoric that has absolutely no basis whatsoever. I'm going to encourage you guys, if you haven't already read up on the topic of the Dead Sea Scrolls, highly encourage you to look into the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's so important. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in, I think, the early 20th century. I believe in the 1940s they were discovered in a cave called Qumran. What they discovered in these caves are historical documents from 2,000 years ago from a Jewish um, society that lived in Israel at the time. These are manuscripts of the Old Testament written down in Hebrew and Greek. 2,000 years ago, preserved in these caves over time, they have found fragments of these manuscripts and also the entire book of Isaiah from the Old Testament that was written 700 years before Jesus was born, perfectly preserved, exactly the same words that you can read today in your King James Version Bible. So look into the Dead Sea Scrolls if you have any sort of doubt about that, about the legitimacy of the Bible. Another thing, all religions are going to require a sacrifice. So what makes Christianity different is we require belief in one sacrifice. That sacrifice is Jesus Christ. Let's jump to another topic. Unlike other religious texts, the Bible accurately foretells key events, detailed events written sometimes centuries before they actually took place with 100% accuracy. So answer me this. If this was not a religious text... Would this not at least intrigue you on what else this book has to say about the future? Let's take the, let's take the faith and religion thing aside. If you read a book that was two, 3,000 years old, and it said, hey, on this day and this time, this person's going to do this, this, and this. And that day and that time comes, and that person does this, this, and this. Would it not intrigue you just a little bit to look more into that? Because that's what intrigued me to look into it. And that's what actually saved me. So another thing, Jesus's resurrection, quite frankly, the most important prophecy that the basis of Christianity stands on. So if Jesus never rose from the dead, there is no Christian faith. Thank God he did rise from the dead. And I actually have proof. So let's circle back on the first point. All religions require a sacrifice. So if you look at religions across the world, there's always going to be a sacrifice to atone for sins or to show your love and commitment to your God. For example, even Satanism requires a sacrifice. Most Satanists know that you sacrifice chickens, goats, whatever, to prove your loyalty to Satan. You believe by sacrificing this thing, you're showing your loyalty to your God. So, But you know what? Some people even believe this gets them fame and fortune, and it does because Satan controls the entertainment industry. So these artists and musicians have come out 
they come out all the time, actually. And they say that they've made a deal with the devil or made a deal with the chief um, to get where they are now. So essentially, I don't know of religion actually off the top of my head that doesn't have sacrifice. So that covers one. Let's talk about Muslims. So what do Muslims believe? Well, every year during the Islamic month of Dhul Hijjah, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, Muslims around the world, they slaughter an animal. So a goat, sheep, cow, or a camel to reflect the prophet Ibrahim's willingness to sacrifice his son Ishmael for the sake of God. So in the Christian and the Jewish, Jewish faith, this is referring to Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. But now Christianity's sacrifice is different. So I'm going to go into just kind of a brief explanation of why sacrifice is so important to not only the Christianity religion, but also the Jewish belief. So you understand the backstory of why Jesus died and how that atones for us. And here are the main things that you really need to understand. So you've probably heard this story before. God made Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were informed directly by God to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He tells them both, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. And then what happens? Well, we know that the serpent persuades Eve in Genesis that she will not surely die, but she will actually be like God and know the difference between good and evil. So Adam and Eve eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then that's when the separation of man from God takes place because God is perfect. Man is no longer perfect. We can't be in his presence anymore. So from then on, we have the flood as told by Moses in the book of Genesis. Then after the world has been repopulated by Noah and his family, Moses is given the law to which the Israelites must live by in order to consider themselves clean. So part of the Jewish belief is that sacrifice of an innocent animal is required to atone for their sins. You have to have innocent blood in order to cover your sinful blood. That's the only way to be considered void of sin in the Jewish faith. So it's been since the beginning of time that man is known as a born sinner. Over time, we learn to steal. We commit adultery. I mean, some people even commit murders. But there is one person who has walked the earth who is completely void of all sin because he was born of a virgin and without the sinful seed of man. So only Jesus Christ has been able to fulfill this prophecy. Jesus was born. He lived a life on this planet as an infant. He was a toddler at one point. Then he became a teenager and he grew into a man. Throughout all his life, he never sinned, not one time. Therefore, Jesus has pure blood. Now, Jesus claimed to be something that no other religion has claimed. So aside from some wild cult leaders from the 20th century, Jesus claims to be God in the flesh. But if Jesus didn't prove that he was actually God, Christians wouldn't have anything to lean on. He did prove he was God. He rose from the dead after he was killed. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead after his crucifixion, there would be no Christianity. It wouldn't exist. So that story would have just simply ended there at the cross. So Jesus did die on the cross and he rose again three days later. But that's not the only thing that you need to know about Jesus's life. You need to understand why he is the Messiah. You have to look at ancient Old Testament scriptures of what the Messiah was prophesied to look like, how he was going to be born, where he would be born, why he would die the way he did. So let's look at some Old Testament prophecies from the Bible that talk about Jesus hundreds of years before he was even born. So first one I'm going to talk about is from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14 in the book of Isaiah. He writes, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Number two, 
he was going to be born in Bethlehem. So in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come of for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old of ancient times. Well, we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, number three, the prophet Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, he says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. So we know from genealogy in the book of Matthew and several other religious texts in the Bible that Jesus did come from the line of David, from the tribe of Judah. In uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, he writes, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. This was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, where Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and claims himself to be the Messiah. Let's look at Isaiah again, chapter 53. It says, He was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. So the prophet Isaiah, you have to remember, he lived 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. So right there, he's prophesying that the Messiah will suffer and die. And it says why he will suffer and die. Okay, let's look at Psalm 16, verse 10. It says, for thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Jesus fulfilled this in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 32. Uh, again, going back to the genealogy, the Bible provides genealogies in both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke that traces Jesus' lineage back to King David. The ministry and miracles. So the Messiah was expected to perform miraculous signs and wonders. And we all know Jesus's ministry is characterized by numerous miracles. Um, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed the hungry. He walked on water. Um, and actually, I think it's from the Gospel of John. It says that if, G if, if he wrote all of the miracles that Jesus really did during his lifetime while he was on earth, it would not fit in the Bible. I think is is. John says it a little bit differently. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what it says. Uh, the teachings and the fulfillment of the law. So the teachings of Jesus, as presented in the New Testament, are seen as fulfilling the prophecies and promises of the Old Testament. He claimed to be the fulfillment of the law in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and proclaimed the kingdom of God. So the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary was the one and only atonement for mankind's sins. Without that sacrifice, all of us would be completely separated from God with no way to come back to him. So it takes a perfect and holy sacrifice, unspotted without blemish, to atone for our sins. Innocent blood is required to cover sinful blood. So now you have kind of a background story on the Messiah, who Jesus is, why he rose again after, after he died three days later and ascended into heaven. So Jesus took the need for an animal sacrifice and made the ultimate sacrifice by becoming man and God and sacrificing himself for all humanity. Next question is, so why should I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Where does that information even come from? Christianity essentially stands or falls on this claim. So his death at the cross, that's a historical fact. It's the resurrection that people struggle with. But what if I told you this? So there's over 500 eyewitness testimonies documented from people in Israel, Jerusalem at the time, of Jewish citizens seeing Jesus walking around 
and very much alive after they witnessed his death on the cross. Very interesting. Second thing that proves to me without a shadow of a doubt that he rose from the dead is the disciples of Jesus went to their graves stating that they were with him after he rose from the dead. So you have to remember, these guys were tortured, beaten, beheaded. They were stoned to death, crucified upside down, stabbed publicly. Again, all of these are historical facts that have been written down and preserved over 2,000 years. So just on the basis alone that Jesus really is God, because they were with him and they saw him after he rose again. Okay, so let's touch on another piece. So that's that's the prophecy of Jesus and the Messiah predicted in the Old Testament. So Bible prophecy. We know that the Bible foretells future events, unlike any other religious text. There's about 2,500 prophecies that appear in the Bible, of which 2,000 have already been fulfilled to the T with no errors at all. Now we also have um, some historical and archaeological finds from the 20th and 21st century that support that the people that were written about in the Bible, as well as some cities that existed at those times, actually did exist. So some examples of those are historical figures. So uh, King David, King Solomon, Cyrus the Great, Pontius Pilate, and others have been confirmed through historical records and archaeological finds as real people who lived during the time periods those books were originally written. Another example is the city of Jericho. Archaeological excavations at the site of Jericho have revealed evidence of a fortified city that was likely destroyed, corresponding to the biblical account of its conquest by the Israelites. So you'll find that in Joshua chapter 6. Another cool find was a Pontius Pilate inscription. So in 1961, an inscription mentioning Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who presided over the trial of Jesus, was found in Caesarea Maritima. Very cool. So you have to remember, it's not a book. The Bible is actually a historical collection of 66 books written by 40 different authors over the span of 1,500 years. So the fact that it exists today and has been preserved through this amount of time, in my opinion, is a miracle from God himself. So, um, yeah, you read the Bible and it foretells history of ancient Israel. It tells you where the artifacts are. It tells you where to find them. Um, these things are written thousands of years ago, and these are exactly in the place where they said that they were. So another thing that proves to me Christianity is real is that people change. You see a, a big change in people who have accepted Christ in their life. And they're totally different people. I mean, I don't think that this could be possible, honestly, without God's intervention. I believe people can change, but not that radically without spiritual divine intervention. So you see addicts be completely healed of addiction. You see people being completely void of disease just from prayer. Um, heck, look at me, for example. I used to be the biggest alien, believe in Bigfoot, spotting, dog man shooting person you could have ever found. And I've definitely seen some crazy things in the past. I've I've seen some things I can't explain, but I know now that those were satanic and not from some sort of new age spirit realm like I used to think. So now I know for certain that those things are only distractions to keep you from Christ. So these things keep your mind wandering in a direction that it's not supposed to go. So another thing that tells me that Christianity is the true religion. Number one, I have faith in this, in God's word. So I have faith in things that Jesus says. But Jesus tells his disciples, no man will come to the Father but through me. So that's that's kind of the cool facts that I have about the Bible, about Jesus, about Christianity, um, proof of Christianity, whatever you want to call it. Those are just some things that I thought were super cool. Um, these 
types of facts were the things that were presented to me when I was a, um, I considered myself a Christian, but I wasn't saved. So let me know what you guys think of those things. If you want to hear more about those uh, cool facts about Christianity, let me know and we can discuss further. But um, I'm going to jump into the world news updates now because there's a lot to touch on there too. And wow, we just are, we're going to get right into it. Now, people have asked me, why do you care about what's going on in the world? Why, why care about these things? Well, we are called to be the watchmen on the wall. So we are to be like the sons of Ishakar, where through the Bible, we discern the times and the seasons. So it's our job as Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, to um, know that there is a telescope into the future. And the Bible is the only book in the world that predicts accurately world events 100% of the time. So what Bible prophecies have been filled have been filled 100% accurately. The ones that remain to be fulfilled, we know from the past, these events too will be 100% fulfilled. So that's why it's important to know what's going on around the world. And that's why I like to talk about that. But um, essentially, I want to talk about 2 Timothy chapter 3. So what the Apostle Paul says is, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. The word perilous here means times will come that if you are not rooted and grounded in the word of God, you will be worn down by the enemy. You will be grounded, grinded down by the enemy. So let's talk about Israel first. So what's going on in Israel? There are deception levels like we have never seen before with just sheer chaos that's now part of almost every part of the society in Israel. So um, there's something called the Black Flags Movement, which is causing a little bit of a people and protest. In Israel, there's a group of people that are ran by um, one of the previous diplomats that used to be in the Israeli government. I think he was actually prime minister for a couple years, but um, he started this movement that is just people protesting against the government, people, um, you know, just causing upheaval in Israel. And Israel's pretty divided right now. Well, who loves to see Israel divided? Their enemies. Iran, Syria, Hezbollah, Hamas. They're loving this friction in Israel. So it's times like this where your country is super vulnerable that the enemy is best set up to attack. So the scripture is clear that in regards to a formation and a coming attack on Israel from these nations. So Iran, from what I stated before at the beginning of this episode, it's actually already completed its plan to surround Israel with hundreds of rockets, thousands of militia, trained forces from Pakistan, Iraq, all around Syria, the Yemenites. Um, in the south, Hezbollah in the north. So Israel is preparing for a preemptive strike. And all forces are ready within a matter of hours to strike both in Syria and Lebanon in the way that they probably wouldn't recover for um, weeks, maybe months, according to Amir Sarfati. But Iran also has over 160 kilograms of 60% enriched uranium, which means within a matter of a few days, if they choose they can enrich it to a few kilograms and to 99% enrichment, which is enough for three to five nuclear bombs that they already have. So that's a big, big piece of Bible prophecy right there. But another thing that has just happened this week, Israel and Saudi Arabia are preparing a peace deal. Now, why is that important? Well, if you read in the Old and New Testament, you'll see that during the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist will actually make a peace agreement, a seven-year peace agreement with Israel and the surrounding nations, 
stating that Israel will not only be at peace, but they can also build their third temple. Now, that's speculation for me that I think that the third temple will be part of that peace deal. So that's not specifically written in the Bible. That's just my personal opinion that that third temple piece will be in there. And that's how the third temple will be built during the seven year tribulation. Um, but we're already seeing Saudi Arabia and Israel doing a peace deal right now, which is a huge Bible prophecy. And I think that this should not be ignored by Christians. Um, but essentially it came from the fact that Saudi Arabia and Israel realized they both have the same enemies. So Iran, um, you know, basically the Sunni Islamist political opposition. I mean, these are all people that both hate Saudi Arabia. They hate Israel. So this is, this is a pretty big piece. Um, I think that people should look more into this because I think it's getting overlooked a lot. Let's talk about the Wagner mercenaries. So Putin's private army, he's, they're in Syria, Africa, and they're moving to Belarus. Now, everyone knows that it's Putin's strategy to threaten Poland and to invade a NATO country. So there's already helicopters invading Belarus, which I believe is going to be a war in Europe that's just intensifying. Now, guess what's going on in Africa? Nigeria supplies most of the uranium in the world. The Wagner Group has just cut off that supply chain from Nigeria to Europe. 90% of African countries are on the side of Russia. So that's just something that the media is not telling you. It's making it seem like Ukraine is winning this thing. That is not the case whatsoever. There's so much deception and chaos in the media, and it's completely covering up everything that's going on in Europe. So um, now the United States, we have more debt than any other country ever. America is the poorest country in the world right now, meaning we owe more money than any other country in the world. Our credit rating just went down. I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago, but that's a very bad sign. The threat of wars and rumors of wars, what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24, this is all happening just like Jesus said it would. So remember the equipment also that we left in Afghanistan in 2021? Well, ISIS has all of that equipment now. We just abandoned, in 2021, when we left Afghanistan, we abandoned the largest concentration of lithium in the world. China is now there. So now China has the dominance over lithium. So I say all that to say the U.S. is on a deep decline, which, by the way, was not done by accident. The U.S. has to be moved out of the way in order for this one world order plan that the Bible speaks about leading up to the seven-year tribulation, in order for that to come to pass, the U.S. has to be weakened and brought down to its knees, which is exactly what this administration has done. So there's nothing the world news that should say to you that should surprise you if you're in the Bible and if you're in your word daily. So this is the spirit of Antichrist moving in the world that the Apostle John talked about. There is no world leader right now that the world can look up to, which is exactly where Satan wants things to be in order for people to look to one man, the Antichrist. So, crazy times we're living in, people, but um, the Bible says the Antichrist will preach peace and safety, and the whole world will look up to this man for just that, because it's in shambles. The rapture had taken place. Nobody knows what's going on. Inflation is at an all-time high. Governments are falling apart. And then this man steps in and says, peace and safety. He's going to have all the answers. Everyone's going to love him. And then sudden destruction will come upon them all, the Bible says. 
But no, that's all I've got for today in terms of the main topic, Christianity is real, and some world news updates. But um, I did go to Instagram yesterday and I asked for, you know, if anyone just has any questions that they want me to talk about or go over. Um, so I did get a couple questions. One person asked me what I thought about aliens. And I am pretty sure I discussed that last week, but essentially my thoughts on aliens I believe that they are either demons, they could be fallen angels, they could be something made by the government. Um, I say that because we don't know what fallen angels look like. We don't really know what demons look like. I mean, we don't know what these things are capable of. Um, so who knows? I don't know. I don't, I don't believe they're from outer space. I don't believe they're from another planet. Um, that's just my personal viewpoint. And I think that's a, that's a Christian way to view that topic. Um, in terms of other questions I got, somebody asked me what my thoughts were on the prosperity gospel versus the poverty gospel. I have never heard of those terms before yesterday, so I had to Google it. Um, but what ChatGPT told me is that the poverty gospel might refer to the belief that material poverty and suffering are seen as intrinsic to a person's spiritual growth. Well, what does the Bible say about that? In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So I don't think by any means that suffering leads to, uh, I don't know, a better faith in God. I think that the gospel that you should follow is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is, God sent his only begotten son to the earth to die for us so that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe that what Jesus taught us to do is what we need to do and how to live our lives. And Jesus told us to love one another. He said, treat everyone as if you you would treat yourself, basically. Don't judge, you know, don't judge not lest you be judged, is what he said. And um, yeah, just live your life for Christ. Um, now, I know the prosperity gospel, that's like the Joel Osteen version of Christianity. So that's obviously um, not the right way to look at the Christian faith. That's just complete BS. And anything that Joel Osteen preaches, you should not listen to. Um, that's my thoughts on those two questions. So thank you guys for submitting questions. I appreciate that. I appreciate the engagement. Um, next week, I'm going to talk about a controversial topic. We're going to talk about concerts. And Christians, should they attend concerts? Is it idol worship or is it just innocent fun? So we're going to talk about that more next week. But that's all I've got for this week, guys. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I'm going to be honest. I got like 40 downloads last week, according to my um, Spotify dashboard. So that's about 35 more people than what I thought would listen to this. So thank you guys for listening. Um, I know in the big scheme of things that doesn't sound like a lot of people, but if I can touch just one person's heart and make you think and make you think about Christ and consider giving your life to him, my work is done. So I thank you guys again. Hope you have a great week. Um, stay in your Bibles, stay praying. Thank you so much. Bye.